Welcome to the Eat Plants, Feel Whole podcast, a program designed to help you harness the healing power of plants and transform your health. I'm your host, Todd Chobatar. I serve as publisher and editor-in-chief at Advent Health Press. Today, we're talking with lifestyle medicine specialist, Dr. George Guthrie, about his book, Eat Plants, Feel Whole. Welcome, Dr. Guthrie. It's a pleasure to be here, Todd. Dr. Guthrie, I've heard you say before that what you eat can be as important as when you eat. And I'm not sure that I fully understood that statement. Can you unpack that for me a little bit? Yeah, it's something that's an understanding that's been growing on me for for years. Because we've always focused on, you know, the calories in and all those things. But but there's been some evidence kind of building, significant evidence building, that when you eat can make a difference as well. You know, I, I think as it was dawning on me probably 25, 30 years ago, I, I was uh, asked to join the uh, faculty of the nutrition department at uh, Loma Linda University in the School of Public Health. And I invited in to, you know, the faculty meeting. And we were kind of sitting around and they said, Dr. Guthrie, we're glad you're here. Uh, what are your interests? And, and I kind of laid that out for them as we focus often on the calories, I think, when we eat may be as important as what we eat. And uh, since then, our understanding and the science has kind of grown to support that. Indeed, we now recognize that uh, a calorie is not a calorie. Now, that may be a confusing term. It is a bit. Tell me about it. Well, we know that uh, it's on all the tests, right? Right. 3,500 calories equals one pound. If you'll just cut down... Uh, you know, 50, 100, 200 pounds a day, over time, you'll lose weight. Well, I've watched patients try to do this. Mm-hmm. I've even done it myself and found that it doesn't seem to work. I mean, that may be the way it adds up in the cal- calorimeter and it, when you look at it from the basic science part of it. But when you get into the real human being, it doesn't always work. There are other things that matter. Like what are the other factors that could play into whether that it, it, well let me give you some examples sure okay uh, <clears throat> for example fat calories are managed different than carbohydrate calories hmm. carbohydrates glucose in particular the primary one is a type of calorie that our body prefers so if we have both ca- uh, carbohydrates and fats coming into our body the body will use the uh, preferentially the carbohydrates, and when it runs out of carbohydrates, then it'll say, hey, you know, then I'll use some of the fats. Now, that's kind of at rest. If you were exercising heavily, the fats can get used more efficiently, but recognize that our body prefers carbohydrates over the fats. Fats are more likely to be stored, stored until we run time. out, and they are, in essence, a stored energy. They're even absorbed a little bit differently, okay? Instead of coming up with the bloodstream into the liver, which is food management uh, area for the body, they actually go up in the lymphatics and are dumped in to the blood just before it goes into the heart. So you have kind of these fat globules going in. uh, They're called chylomicrons. They're kind of big and clunky. They go into the blood vessels and they get stuck in the blood vessel. (laughs) And there's a little enzyme called lipoprotein lipase, which pulls the fats out and puts it into the tissues. I, I like to say at times, um, ladies, don't even eat the candy bar, just apply it directly to your hips because, <laughs> the, you know, the fat tends to get stored first. 
which may be one of the reasons why it's so hard to get off. Mm. So, you know, that's one example. Uh, carbohydrates are preferentially used, fats are preferentially stored. It's a general rule, not 100%. Another one that might be of interest to us is this whole business of uh, <clears throat> how fast the energy goes into the body affects the hormone response. So if the energy goes in quickly, you get an insulin response. We call this uh, the glycemic index. Right? I've heard of the glycemic index, yeah, sure. I think we've talked about it yeah. a little bit in the past. When the sugar goes in quickly, when the energy comes in quickly, it tends to run the insulin up. Insulin is a storage and a growth hormone. So when your insulin is high, you're more likely to uh, store that energy rather than burning it which is kind of uh, important. That is foods, same number of calories that have a low glycemic index are gonna stimulate less insulin and make it easier for the weight to come off uh, than foods that are high in the glycemic index. Now, I remember in your book, something related to this, where you talked about a study mm -hmm. uh, from Dr. Hallberg, I believe mm -hmm, it was. Mm -hmm, Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that. <clears throat> Uh, that's getting to the meal timing business, okay. and, 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 and that's, a, that's an excellent uh, point, because I, I've pointed out to you that not all um, calories are the same, and, and Dr. Hallberg demonstrated that in, in a group of uh, people in a metabolic ward. Metabolic ward is uh, a place where the scientist controls just about everything about the, uh, the subjects that are there. And in Dr. Hallberg's study, what he did was he gave the uh, subjects 2,000 calories a day in one meal a day, either in the morning or the evening. And then after a couple of weeks, if they'd been in the evening, they switched to morning. And if they'd been in the morning, they switched to the evening. And then he looked to see how easy it was to lose weight. And it ended up that the people who had the calories, same calories in the morning, lost weight, or much more weight. There were two people who actually um, <clears throat> didn't kind of not lose weight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some okay. lost weight with a meal in the evening, but they lost a lot more when they had it in the in morning. morning. Okay. So it's a rather kind of interesting phenomenon, and it makes sense. I like to illustrate it this way. If you're flying from here to Paris in an airplane, do you want them to put the fuel in the plane now or after you get to Paris, right? So if, now, you're, yeah. if you're flying through the day, then it's better to have your fuel on board in the beginning. You're more likely to burn it up rather than just, you know, letting it settle in the tanks or and settle yeah, settle in our tanks. <laughs> settle in our tanks. Uh, I would prefer to have smaller tanks, uh, personally, yes. uh, yeah. for things to settle into. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, I hear a lot of things also then, Dr. Guthrie, about, you know, the benefits sometimes of eating throughout the day, kind of snacking, grazing. Well, you know, maybe I should have six smaller meals during mm -hmm. the day as opposed to, you know, two or three bigger ones. Uh, what, what is the science telling us on that? Yeah, it, it's an excellent sort of a thing. In the, the kind of 1950s uh, area, we were experimenting with this. And one of the things that the food scientists discovered was that if you gave somebody a small meal throughout the day, you increased the number of calories they burned. The metabolic rate, the basal metabolic rate, how many calories you burn when you're sitting there went up. And they said, well, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we should just kind of work it that way and they demonstrated it in the lab but when they got out into the real world <clears throat> you know it's a little different 
when, when your researcher is saying, here, here's two carrots for you, right? And when you go, oh, what's, what's next for me? And you pick up the potato chips or the candy bar. Uh, I mean, the calories are a little bit different. It's harder to say no. They, the calories weren't limited in the real world. And it kind of fell into disrepute for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was doing my master's of public health nutrition, there were a bunch of fellow students. And we kind of had arguments about this. And many of them actually bought this idea of kind of grazing through the day, mm-hmm. eating to kind mm-hmm. of keep their metabolic rate up. And it was odd to me that those people were the, they were the skinny dietitians who really had no idea what it was like to try to lose weight. And they had their bags of, uh, you know, uh, cucumber, carrots, uh, celery, that type of a thing, which certainly doesn't have a lot of calories in it. So for, for them, it was working. Yeah. Now, as I began to study the uh, aging research, I began to understand that this is probably the reason why it's not best. And of course, we're learning more about this as time goes on, because our body has an efficiency with which it uses calories. If we are uh, eating few calories, our body kind of limits the amount of free radicals that run in our body, in our cells. If we have excess calories, that increased metabolic rate that was being measured in the early studies is just increasing the number of free radicals. Well, free radicals tend to accelerate the aging process, damaging proteins, DNA, and other things. So uh, uh, I think there's a good logic to keeping that metabolic rate low for longevity. And indeed, caloric restriction is one of the strongest things one can point to from the science that says this is help you, helps you live a long time. So is, does this tie in at all to, or maybe I should say, how does it tie in to uh, maybe kind of a buzzword I'm hearing a, a lot about these days called intermittent fasting? Ah, very good. And this is something I'm so glad it's coming into kind of popular favor because I've been kind of thinking about this for a long time and doing it myself. It it just makes a lot of sense to eat a good breakfast and then a good lunch and then skip that evening meal, okay? Now, I know intermittent fasting can be the other way around. It can be... um, skip breakfast and just eat uh, kind of lunch and dinner. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that this works. It helps to decrease fatty liver. It helps people to lose weight. There has been some science that's compared the two. And for people with diabetes, for example, we know it's better for them to do breakfast and lunch and skip supper. Probably for the kind of airplane reason, it's best not to go to bed with a full stomach because the food is more likely to be stored and kind of clog things up. But this intermittent fasting is, is, uh, has some amazing physiologic benefits. Uh, things like increasing telomere length, which we think is associated with improved aging. Uh, my observation is that you're actually losing your weight at night while you're sleeping if you have an empty stomach. When you're uh, sleeping with an empty stomach, your intestines make a whole bunch of melatonin. And while your stomach may growl the first few nights that you decide to skip supper, you actually sleep better and are better rested in the morning. So there's an awful lot of uh, benefits from that. So you're definitely a proponent of of uh, fewer meals of the day as opposed to kind of grazing throughout the day. I think the the science supports that Mm -hmm. as the healthiest way of living as far as a long-term pattern. This is especially important when we recognize that um, things like diabetes and hypertension and heart disease come from too many calories in. So to have a time when there's nothing, no calories, and our body can kind of get back to its baseline and stabilize and actually get a rest, 
there's there's a lot of uh, of logic to to doing that, even though it's not what we've done socially uh, in in our country and in many places. We generally take the large meal in the evening. So it's probably not best. Well, and the thing that uh, kind of makes some level of logical sense, along with what you're saying as well, to to, to what the science is is uh, is just the whole concept. We know that the body needs times of rest. That's right. And uh, so you have a time of exertion and then you have a time mm-hmm. of rest. And mm-hmm. during that rest and recovery, it, it's fueling you in a sense for your next uh, for your next needs. And so if going to bed on an empty stomach mm-hmm. uh, helps your digestive system mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get some mm-hmm. rest, mm-hmm. then uh, that's probably a good thing, right? But it's even more than that because when you go into that fasting state, mm-hmm. your cells kind of go into this uh, pullback phase. And there's actually been measures where muscle cells will get a little smaller, right? But then with the refeeding, when you take that big breakfast in the morning, mm-hmm. th- that extra energy comes in it activates the pluripotential cells. So we get more brain cells. The muscle cells actually get bigger. There's, there's growth and repair in the body in a, in a kind of extraordinary, at an extraordinary level if one has that fasting state. I like it. I like it. You know, there's a, um, a, a quote because this, this is, it feels like it, it comes down to some choices mm-hmm. that I'm going to have to make. Absolutely right? correct. Uh-huh. And so there's a, a quote that I wrote down here from Dr. Michael Greger that I kind of like. It says this, the typical Western diet is the number one cause of premature death. So mm-hmm. we're talking about longevity, mm-hmm. which, which you just mm-hmm. mentioned. So the number one cause of premature death and the number one cause of disability. In other words, a long and healthy life is largely a matter of choice. Yes. It's the choices that we make that make a big difference. Now, I think Dr. Greger is talking more about what you eat. And, and I would say that's the basics. And certainly, you know, eat plants, feel whole says we need to be eating more plants. I guess today we're talking about kind of meal timing, if you would. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, kind of an advanced concept. If you can understand that and actually make that choice, you get an added benefit, that added benefit of adding fasting for your physiology benefit. So at the end of the day, you'd say uh, to summarize this uh, time together? Breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince. (laughs) Prince. Okay, and supper like a pauper. I like it. I like it. Well, Dr. Guthrie, I appreciate you taking us through this because I think it's an important topic mm-hmm. to to be aware of um, uh, this the with intermittent fasting and and how eating timing can be as important mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. what I eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to mention um, you t- just spoke of your book, Eat Plants Feel Whole. Uh, I have a copy of it here in my hand, and in the back of this book, there's a number of free resources uh, that uh, that you offer. And these free resources anyone can get by going to mm-hmm. eatplantsfeelwhole.com. Mm-hmm. And I, I like this resource that's offered. It's a one-page overview of the entire book of Eat Plants Feel mm-hmm. Whole. It just goes through and gives kind of the highlight, the summary. Summary, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the main uh, uh, sort of concepts mm-hmm. that are there in the book. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really nice for you to include that because it helps to just bring a picture to mind. Oh, so this is what I'm striving for. Or this is what... I should be really paying close attention to. So so kind of a cliff notes. Yeah, kind of a cliff notes there. <laughs> and that's available simply by going to eatplantsfeelwhole.com. So, uh, Dr. Guthrie, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Pleasure really appreciate to be here. your thank time. You. Mm-hmm. 
You've been listening to the Eat Plants, Feel Whole podcast, a limited edition 15-part series designed to help you harness the healing power of plants and to transform your health. I've been your host, Todd Chobatar. You'll find links to many resources that were discussed in today's podcast in the show notes. And if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Guthrie and his work, you can uh, visit eatplantsfeelwhole.com to find out more and to discover other great resources that can help you to feel whole in mind, body, and spirit. Uh, why not visit us at adventhealthpress.com. And while you're there, feel free to sign up for our newsletter where we have lots of healthy living tips, some leadership wisdom, and some free giveaways. Thank you so much for joining us today. 